How's it going, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Barely There podcast. I am, of course, joined by the guy I'm always joined by at Lucas Perfetti 46. Lucas Perfetti. You can follow me, Duke Coughlin, at that pod guy, Duke. You can also follow the podcast at Barely There Pod. You can find us on YouTube if you want to join the chat. And we are going to answer some questions today. We, uh, again, as I've said over and over and over again, this is the deadest time of the offseason because we are about three weeks away from training camp. So we thought we'd get a little bit of creative and uh, answer any of your guys' questions. So uh, here we are. Lucas, how are we doing, buddy? Good, good. Also want to mention um, training camp tickets go up on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m. So be ready for that. Uh, supposedly it's not going to be a finite amount because um, of COVID and stuff like that. But, yeah, tickets go on sale tomorrow. I don't even know if you have to pay, to be honest, but I do know that you have to reserve a slot. So something you're interested in doing, I would recommend getting on there because some people will reserve a slot for every single day. Um, yeah, I just – if you want to go there, definitely reserve some spots. Other than that, man, doing well. Um, you know, kind of excited. Like, this is obviously – baseball fans are going to hate me for this, but this is the dead season of the fo- of, of the – calendar and sports in general and American sports. Like I think MLS and MLB, I think WNBA are the only things really going right now. So MLB has zero competition. Um, Still tough to get through. So just waiting for training camp, waiting for preseason football. um, Cause it's been rough dude for for the people that are degenerates and like to gamble on games. uh, Baseball is the worst sport to gamble on. So yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I'm excited to answer some of these questions. We got some really good ones. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, it won't stop all the degenerates from uh, gambling on baseball. I mean, we have uh, we've been seeing a lot of those uh, no run first inning bets that have uh, been getting really popular. Actually, lately, it's like the fucking this year's version of the of the uh, multiple leg parlay. But um, yeah, I mean that's that's what it is. Like I'm a huge baseball guy. Obviously, the Sox season has been just flying off the rails um, or going great, depending on the day. Honestly. Um, walk off win today from the Laori legend, but um, yeah, man, it's definitely the dead season. Like I, I, I'm a guy who could talk football all year round. Um, I've been looking for things to talk about. Um, with anybody I've interacted with, like football wise, especially when it comes to the Bears, because of just the off season we've had. You know, basically the new regimen we have and all that. And dude, it's just been dead. So uh, yeah, I'm really excited to answer some questions. Um, I'm hoping we could do like a lot, like a couple more episodes like this, you know, moving forward. Maybe make this like uh, maybe like a monthly thing during the season if we uh, if we have some crazy stuff going on. Um, all really dependent on what the season looks like and how much we really have to uh, talk about when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, realistically, we got answered. We got asked quite a few questions. We had a couple people that doubled up, tripled up with questions, but overall, like some really good ones in there. So I mean. Nothing much has really happened in terms of, I guess there's some NFL news. Uh, Baker Mayfield got traded to the Panthers, right, for a conditional fourth or fifth round pick. Um, Eddie Goldman got signed by the by the Falcons. So that's, um, you know, a fat slob that everyone thought was just completely garbage and blah, 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 blah. Not my words, Bears fans' words. Um, he got himself a contract with the Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons, or I'm sorry, the Atlanta Bears. Um, yeah, no kidding. You know, they have fucking everyone over there, ton of former Chicago Bears execs, coaches, players. So um, other than that, man, I think we should get into it because we got quite a few here. If we want to keep keep pretty decent on time, you ready for this first one? Yeah, go ahead. Toss it by me, man. All right. Uh, this is going to be from Pete, the shy fan. Pete shy fan. It's Pete underscore 
shy underscore fan asked, will be Ron, will Montgomery still be RB one by season's end or will Herbert claim the larger role? Um, will Komet be using Getsy system like Tunyon was in green Bay, assuming we get an average play from the offensive line in the top 14 to 17 range in Luke Getsy's offense, how many W's can the bears get? So I guess let's start with that first one. Do you think Dave Montgomery will be the running back one by the end of the season? I think this is a fair question, even though we're Montgomery guys. Like I do think this is a very fair question. Um, yeah, I think um, I think as long as he stays healthy, I think um, I think there's going to be no doubt personally. Um, just where David Montgomery is right now compared to Justin or um, yeah, uh, Cleo Herbert. I don't know why he almost said Justin Herbert. Um, like where where they're at right now, David Montgomery is a more complete package. Um, just on kind of, uh, knowing how to handle an NFL defense, you know, being able to, uh, handle a full workload, you know, the biggest thing people are forgetting about Cleo Herbert is he just, he didn't see full workloads last season. You know what I mean? He got, uh, he got to come in fresh and that was already after the offensive line had worn down the defensive line or the other way around, you know, however you want to look at the bears offensive line last year. Um, but it wasn't really a lot. It wasn't really setting the tone. That's a lot of what David Montgomery does. That's why David Montgomery is so uh, valuable is because he'll break tackles over the course of a game, um, get yards after contact, and it'll make people kind of think twice about tackling him. Whereas Khalil Herbert is kind of like that fresh set of legs that'll, that can run in there and, um, you know, pick up some yardage and uh, hit that one cut through a open hole and, you know, get a burst. I think there is a, certainly a conversation for Khalil Herbert at, going into next season, all depending on what happens with the David Montgomery situation in the off season. But um, yeah, dude, as long as Montgomery stays healthy, I could see like uh, a 1200 yard season for him. If we really, if we really are as committed to running the football as uh, Luke Getze and uh, um, Matty Refus have been uh, discussing. So yeah, I, I don't think it's a doubt as long as uh, health is a key. Yeah. I mean, if you're really looking at a team that, say they want to be run heavy, then what is that? You get 55, 60 plays a game. If you're run heavy, you're going to be running like 35 to 40 times. Some of it's going to be Justin Fields. I think some will be Khalil Herbert. Don't forget too, Darrington Evans came over. Like he was a pretty good player that dealt with some injuries in Tennessee and they had high expectations for him to spell Derrick Henry. So um, I could, I could see him getting some work. Here's my thing, right? If we're judging based off the sample size and Khalil Herbert is, um, exactly as productive as he was from the first snap to the last snap. And he gets a full workload and, and, and the whole nine yards. Like if, if we're going to transfer that over and say, yes, he's going to have that first, that full workload. I could see him overtaking more of the rushing responsibilities. Um, I heard it explained kind of like this and, and I didn't hate this explanation in terms of the Getsy offense. A lot of people could see, or this person, at least, I'm sorry, I'm not giving him credit, but they could see um, Herbert playing that Aaron Jones role. And Montgomery, just in terms of rushing, Montgomery playing that A.J. Dillon role. And I could see that kind of happening because I would like to have um, Dave Montgomery in short yardage more. I do think Khalil Herbert is a little bit more fast and out in space. So if they really are trying to run outside zone opposed to inside zone, I could see the carries kind of trending towards Herbert. Um, But like in terms of pass catching ability. Dave Montgomery is a better pass catcher. He's a better, he's better at, um, you know, being a third down back in terms of blocking for the quarterback um, and, and going out on routes that way. He's a better route runner. So I think in every aspect, even if Herbert did look pretty good running the ball last year, I think Dave Montgomery would still be considered running back one. Um, 
And that and that's even if Herbert does his absolute best, right? Because and, and even look at the Packers last year. I think it has to do with situationally as well. If it's a first down run in the first quarter being outside zone, they're trying to get bigger chunk yards for sure. But if you're looking at like a team that for some reason, if the Bears are in the lead a little bit more, like why wouldn't Dave Montgomery be getting the ball, right? If you're looking for that short yardage, you're looking to just keep going four yards of carry. Um, yeah, I see it being Dave Montgomery in every aspect, to be to be honest, because if they go up, I could see them wanting someone more secure with the ball, someone that doesn't fumble a lot, someone that's always falling forward like a Dave Montgomery. And if they're down and they need to start blocking with their running backs, uh, chipping with their running backs or have their running backs running routes out of the backfield, I see that work going to him too. So I think in terms, especially in terms of like fantasy, I still have Dave Montgomery ranked way above Khalil Herbert. Yeah, and I mean, until we see a full workload of Khalil Herbert, that's that's really where you have to stand. Um, I, I feel like the box score guys um, are going to be looking at like the yards, the average yards per carry, um, which which I understand that argument because uh, Khalil had four point two compared to uh, Montgomery's three point eight. But uh, when you look at workload comparison, you know Khalil Herbert only had just a little over hundred carries compared to David Montgomery, who had double that and had basically double the production at the same time. So um, we kind of went and, over this last week too. Like every carry where there was a loaded box and it was third and one or fourth and one, those were all Dave Montgomery. So you're, you're taking away from the yards right there. Um, uh, average yards per carry. Yeah. But that like, and kind of like what I said in my original answer, like that's not to say that this can change next off season, depending on how the contract situation with David Montgomery goes, because like, I'm, I really like Khalil Herbert. You know, I think he is a very high upside prospect. You know, um, I had a buddy, I have a buddy who like really is driving the point home about how he thinks he's like kind of a poor man's Clinton Portis at this point, like stage in his career. We're kind of like, he has, he has like, kind of like, oh, he's good at everything. He's not great at anything, but he's good at everything. If you know what I mean? Like he has, he has that kind of ability. Um, The one cut is I think the biggest comparison and he doesn't fumble, you know? So that's, that's really, it's going to be a good, one two punch. I think they're both going to be used. I think David Montgomery is still going to be used more. But if uh, Khalil Herbert has a like a breakout type season, um, you know that could that can make things interesting uh, interesting going into the next season, especially with a uh, potential Roquan Smith extension coming up. Uh, potentially us spending big in free agency next season. Um, we could try to save some cap by just sticking with the guy who's sitting on a rookie deal. You know, and that's just the reality. You know, that's just business. You know, and uh, Dave Montgomery deserves to get paid what he's worth at the same time. So, uh, yeah, the answer to that question could change next season. But I think, as I've said before, if Dave Montgomery stays healthy, plays all 17 games, it's going to be his job to lose. Yeah, and and there's a couple things you said that I want to comment on, but they're, they have to do with other questions like the salary cap, et cetera. Um, and to be honest, Pete, I could see it being where, like, if you look at the Bears carries at, at the end of a game, Herbert gets 14 Montgomery gets 13 and Fields gets four or something like that. But then if you go and look at the snap percentages, I guarantee you it'll be like a 70 to 30 split between Montgomery and, and um, Herbert. So getting the most carries versus being on the field more is also a different question, but let's roll into this next one. Will Cole Komet be used in Getsy system like Tunyon was in green Bay? Um, I actually listened to, what was it? The bears podcast with Jeff Joniak. And I think it's called bears all access or something like that. Um, and Jim Miller was on there and he said, Cole Komet has every tool to be an elite, not a good, not a 
great and elite tight end. Um, and he said, he's like, there's no reason with Cole Komet's size, his catch radius, um, all of those things, he could easily be playing a Travis Kelsey role um, and moved out into the slot and getting a ton of targets. Or if they need him more on the offensive line, um, they, he could see him in that Tunyon role. So his exact like comparison was like, I think he can do both. I think he's going to play that Tunyon role. He's like, I think he's going to be on the field 95% of the time. I truly believe like if this offense takes a step, Mooney has to at least stay the same or do better. And Cole Komet has to take a huge step in terms of production. Um, otherwise I don't think this offense, like he's the number one wild card where you look at him. It's like pretty high draft status, especially for a tight end, you know, not an elite draft status, like a Kyle Pitts or, or an Njoku or an OJ Howard, but definitely like really high up there in, in the first half of the second round. I don't think a tight end this year went until like the third or fourth round. So you look at how a lot of tight ends develop and then you think too, it usually takes two to three years to develop a tight end for them to start getting significant production. You think about him getting held down in the red zone and, and really just not being utilized properly under Nagy. And it's like, he is the one guy that is clearly like on paper due for a big, big increase in production. Um, and, and the bears need it. Like that's like, that's the biggest wild card in my opinion that everyone's looking past when you look at the weapons and everything like that. Like, no one's really con considering Cole Komet and they shouldn't be in, in terms of a national audience because he hasn't done anything to gain or to garner the attention of it, of the national media. So I think, um, I think you're going to see him all over the field, man. I think you're going to see him broken out in the slot. I think you're going to see him in line, especially if they're going to be running a lot of outside zone and a lot of like 12 personnel or 22 personnel. Um, you know, you're going to see him on the field a lot in my opinion. Yeah. And I think, I think really the biggest thing that kind of, um, I guess to answer your question here, um, I don't think it's going to be the Rob Tonyan role because I, I kind of agree with Jim Miller. I don't know necessarily how much we're going to see Cole Komet in the slot, but I think we're going to see him regardless of where we are where we are in the field, and that's something we didn't see in the Matt Nagy offense. Unfortunately, for whatever reason, and I don't want to jump too hard into the Matt Nagy conversation, but Cole Komet was just not utilized in the red zone, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense considering his size, considering his ability to kind of uh, body defenders to get the ball in front of him. He reminds me a lot of like a young Jason Witten. And I know like the first thought in everyone's head, like when you think of Jason Witten is like, you know, you know, slow white guy. Like if we're being totally honest, you know, yeah. he's just a fucking bruiser in the middle of the field. But honestly, dude, Witten early on in his career had quite a bit of athleticism. And that's really what kind of got him on the radar to be uh, drafted where he was. Cause dude, he was an absolute monster down in Tennessee. Um, Tennessee where he went to college. I just wanted to clear that up. I know he played in Dallas. Um, but yeah, dude, I, re I really think Cole can be used anywhere on the field. And that's going to be the biggest difference. Like he's going to be used as a safety valve for Justin Fields, which in a lot of ways he was used like that last year, almost just by being forced to football by Justin Fields. It didn't really matter where the game plan was with just uh, with uh, Cole Komet last year. Justin Fields was forcing him to football. He had more targets last season than Allen Robinson. Like that's that says something. Even he had the even second in, most catches on the team. Yeah, he had, he was second in yards too. Obviously, those touchdowns weren't there, but there was no situation really within the 20-yard line where Cole Komet was being utilized. He'd help you get down the field. Um, he actually was getting really good in the middle of the field. Um, that was one thing I really did like. Um, and he's just good at getting in front of defenders. And, you know, despite what anyone says, um, an old Twitter account specifically I can think of about the whole he can't get separation argument, he actually uh, gets separation – um, at a rate right up there with some of the best tight ends in football. So, like, everything is pointing in the direction that Cole Komet can go off. 
Now I know what everyone's already thinking, and you know maybe you're thinking this as well. Um, yeah, the drops. Yeah, that's that that's fair. But I, I really think that's something that can get fixed. That's not. I think like, it's a confidence at- thing, dude. He had one drop in all of college. Like he exactly. didn't. Like, that was one of the things he was known for was not drop. Or I think he had zero drops in college. So like, I yeah. I think that was honestly a confidence thing. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not nearly as worried. If, if the drops become an issue this season, then let's talk about it. Like in it with a fresh start, but I do well, think I, like, I'm not, I, I, that's kind of the point I wanted to make was his, his college stats. Like I, I'm not worried about it at all. Like, but I know that's like the number one, pe- like number one thing people hold on to, especially on Bears Twitter is just, Oh, he drops football all the time. And it's like, well, if you look at it, he really doesn't drop the football nearly as much as you think he does. Um, you guys just really like piling on when he does, because uh, nobody liked the fact, well, it was kind of a mix of like anyone who liked the fact that we drafted Colcom at that high anyway. But um, no, I really think um, I, I think Rob Tanyan was kind of used as uh, the red zone threat. He, uh, you know, got a lot of touchdowns and he was a lot of that blocking tight end, especially in running sets. He was someone that slipped through the cracks too, right? Like, it's- yeah, dude, he had Aaron Rodgers throwing the football too. You know, that, that also, that helps a lot. Um, but I, I really think Cole Komet and Justin Fields built quite a quite a bit of chemistry last season, kind of similar to the chemistry that Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields have built. And I think those are going to really be the, the, you know, I think you uh, brought it up earlier in the question, man. I think those are going to be the number, like the top two targets for the Chicago Bears this season. It's going to be a lot of Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. And uh, at face value, sure, that doesn't sound sexy, but I think it could actually be something that could end up being very beneficial because if both these guys pop off, that looks really good for the offense. Uh, moving forward with two young studs. Yeah. And then this is the last question. Let's kind of answer this a little bit quickly. We're taking a lot of time on this uh, on Pete, even though he's worth it. Uh, assuming we get average play from the offensive line within the top 14 to 17 range in Luke Getze's offense, how many W's can the Bears get? I mean, I'm – we haven't made our official predictions yet, which I don't think we should until, like, the last episode before the season after we see a little bit of preseason. Um I said from the start, though, at a top end, like this is a weak schedule. And if this defense can actually play, which I have a lot of confidence, like if the if the offense can meet them halfway and be a middle-of-the-pack offense, like there's no reason why they won't go over their over, which is, I think, six-and-a-half wins. Um, and it started at seven-and-a-half, and then it dropped. So, I mean, if we're talking, like, if, if, if everything's clicking and Justin Fields takes a step forward, like, I could see them being an eight, nine win team, maybe. Like, that's why I said the goal this year, especially for what the talent on the roster is. Like, if you can get that last spot in the wild card race, like, that would be dope as fuck. I'm not going to sit here and overblow it and be like, they could win 11, 12. I would be thoroughly shocked. I would be happy with it, obviously. But, like, I can't see them. That's the thing. I don't see them being nearly as bad as some fans are making it out to be. And I don't see them being nearly as good or as hyped up as other fans are making it out to be like, Matt Nagy was a big problem, but he wasn't the only problem. And we lost a lot of our top players in terms of star power. And, I, and like, I do know, like, some of those guys didn't get a lot of snaps and Allen Robinson was checked out, whatever. But at the end of the day, like, I need to see it first before I'm going to hype them up to the to the level that some Bears fans and some podcasts are liping them up to. But, yeah, if, if everything goes well in their middle-of-the-pack offense, I can see them being, like, an eight-win team, a nine-win team. I don't see that being unachievable. Yeah, no, that's that's where I'm at. That's that's where I've been. Honestly, I think uh, I think the ceiling is nine and eight, um, and that's for that's with a lot of things going right. I'm not. I don't buy that. Uh, I don't buy that we're gonna hit the under on six and a half. Like I, I don't. I think even especially even if, if this team turns the ball over a lot, dude. Like that's the number one emphasis in the offseason. Like if they're getting a lot of turnovers, like 2018 was a shock to everyone too. 
You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like, of- and I'm and I'm not I'm not going to sit here and try to say that like we're gonna we're gonna pop off or anything like that. But like, I think I think just hovering above 500, dude. Even eight and nine, I'd be really happy with an eight nine season just based on the fact that this is a new regimen. And uh, if we see a lot out of Justin Fields, those are that's like the the number one thing we need to see moving out of the season. And I think if Justin gets time in the pocket and it allows him to kind of uh, you know move around a bit, uh, throw on the run. And really, dude, him setting his feet and throwing a deep ball is just gorgeous. It's like, beautiful. It is, it is a beautiful sight. So if that's something he can get going with a guy like Darnell Mooney or even Avalis Jones, um, that's going to be something that can uh, really benefit this offense, especially with a run heavy. We could have like a, a bit of a run and gun type offense. Like uh, that would dude, really, it, really have the arrow high going into next season. Even but, um, dude, even like seven wins. If they get seven wins with the with the expectations that were this year, because a lot of people are like national media, Bears fans, whatever, they're saying they they're they're in the running for the number one overall pick. So if they oh, that's, if they're sitting, then that's garbage. That's yeah. Garbage. If, if they're sitting at like seven, eight wins, like and they have full fucking pockets and a full draft. Like we should be very optimistic about the future. Like we should be optimistic uh, to the point where if they have eight wins this year, like we should, we should think that there's a chance um, they could win the division next year. Right. Cause they have so much firepower in terms of salary cap, in terms of draft capital, um, flexibility, like everything. So if they're, if they're an eight win team, nine win team, like I'm going to be through the fucking roof. Yeah, and it's going to be – if and if we have that many wins, it means Justin Fields looks like the guy that we think he is. You know what I mean? He looks like uh, he looks like the prospect to really kind of turn the tide of Chicago Bears quarterbacks. Um, but that's, that's going to be – Five wins, too. I'll be grossed, grossed out. Like, then to me, it's like – I and I really don't I really don't think it would be to that point. And the only the only positive you could really pull out of a season like that would be getting the higher draft pick and it would be okay, we lost, but did Justin look good? You know what I mean? Like what did the numbers look like? Is this something that we look like this can be positive that we're gonna buy into? Because like that's the biggest thing heading into next season is we need to see what Justin is so we know if we can build around him or not. You know what I mean? We need to be able to see, like, is this a franchise quarterback? Are we going to be willing to go crazy in free agency? Are we going to be able to send some draft capital to get this guy surrounded with fucking talent? You know what I mean? Like, are we going to go big on, like, a a legit top five left tackle? You know, are we going to go get a legit number one wide receiver to pair with Darnell Mooney if Darnell Mooney has a breakout season? You know what I mean? Like, are we just going to – are we going to go all in? Because we have the money to go all in next year if we really, really want to. But we need to be able to see it from Justin Fields. And uh, we need to see some key contributors, you know what I mean? Like we were just talking about, Darnell Moody, Cole Komet, Khalil Herbert. Um, we need to know what the Dave Montgomery situation holds. Um, there's a lot of young talent on defense we need to see the need to see pan out as well. So, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I think with an offensive line that gives us time and lets us run the football effectively, like, dude, if we can average, like, 4.2 4.3 yards per carry on the ground and then uh kind of get the uh kind of get the passing game going through the air then uh yeah I'm really excited heading into next season. Yeah. All right, let's go over to to your side. You got any questions? Uh yeah, let me pull this up really quick. Um all right. So from Jeff, I'll uh, I'll get this one out of the way cuz uh by the way Jeff, thanks for the question. Uh Glad you're listening, buddy. Uh, really, really good follow by the by the way, Jeff Barlett eighty five. Um, who gets the franchise tag after the 2022 season? Dave Montgomery or Roquan Smith? Um, 
I don't think they use it on Montgomery. It, like, it's a much higher likelihood if they can't get a deal done with Roquan than it goes to Roquan, but I think they do get a deal done. Um, so I'm gonna, I don't, I don't think they use the franchise tag next year. They don't have anyone that they really need to use it on. You know, no one's leaving that is going to have to, other than those two are in their final years, right? But like, no one else is really leaving that you would need to use it on. And I don't see, how you could franchise tag David Montgomery if that number is going to be higher than the number he probably should sign for an extension. Um, unless they really, really love him and want him around and they can't come up with a deal or something, or they just want him for one year. So they're willing to tag him. But otherwise I would probably say Roquan Smith, if a deal doesn't get done, otherwise no one. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I don't think anyone gets tagged. I think we get a deal done with Roquan uh, before the season starts. I'll actually, I'll, I'll make a bold prediction. I'll say we get a, uh, we get, we get ink on paper before the season even starts with Roquan. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't think we franchise Dave Montgomery regardless really of what he does, just because of having Cleo Herbert in the, our back pocket, it would need to be on a little bit of a more team friendly side deal. If we were going to bring back, bring back Montgomery. And I mean, I just don't think he's going to get top five running back money from us, regardless of what he does, just because we have Cleo Herbert right there. Yeah. You know, feel how you want to feel about it. Um, and then uh, I got one from Heidi. I mean, while we're sticking on the uh, Roquan. Yeah, might as well. Um, Heidi wonders, why do certain people think Roquan Smith should be traded? What do you think about that? Um, I will go ahead and just take the run on this. I think anyone who thinks Roquan Smith should be traded um, is insane. They should probably get themselves uh, checked in to uh, a mental hospital because there is nobody on this defense. And I'll, I will say this strong heartedly right now. There's nobody more important on the Chicago bears defense than Roquan Smith. And there is no, there's no position more important in a four, three defense than your middle linebacker. So I think it would be pure insanity. Um, Roquan has shown up to all, all mandatory and non-mandatory uh, mini camps and, you know, workouts, all that stuff. He's been applauded as a team leader. Matt Eberflew seems to really be digging his claws in Roquan. He just, like, you see him talk about Roquan, his eyes light up. And it's the same way the other way around when you see Roquan talk about Matt Eberflew's. Um, Him and Justin Fields are, like, constantly in communication during practice. Like, they, it seems like they're really taking the throne, like, as leader, leaders of the team. Um, Roquan's going to have a captain's patch if they bring the captain's patches back. And, uh, yeah, I think he's one of the best linebackers in football. I don't think you will get your value out of trading him. And I think the best value you get as a young player with a rebuilding team, if you want to call us that is signing him to a long-term deal. Yeah. I mean, the only appeal I could see, or the only reason why is because he's probably going to garner the most in terms of draft capital. I think he gives you more than Justin Fields does too. Um, but is that enough, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. We're talking about a guy that doesn't have any Pro Bowls to his name, but has two second team All Pros. So he's getting like not that reckon like he's not that household name that he should be, right? Like Fred Warner and some of these other guys. Um, not saying Fred Warner wasn't great, but Roquan Smith has had better seasons than him in the last couple of years. The guy from Bobby Wagner, like. Roquan's been playing at a higher level than those guys. And those are guys that are regarded as the best linebackers in the league. If you put Roquan's numbers up to it, I mean, it's, it's very comparable. A lot of categories Roquan is, is better. Um, and as you said, like the will linebacker in this scheme, like he is meant to cover that big side on pass drops. Um, he does that extremely well. He is the best linebacker in coverage. There is no one in my opinion that even compares to Roquan Smith in coverage. He's as fast as safeties. 
Um, his side sideline to sideline game is incredible. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's the only appeal or why people see it is because they're like, hey, if we're rebuilding, Roquan is the biggest chip. He is the guy that is going to get you the most. Do you want to be one of those teams like the Jets or the Dolphins or the Jags who had multiple first round picks? Because um, I think he'll get you a one, right? But I don't think a one's enough. I think you'd need like two ones, and I don't know if anyone's going to pay that up for a middle linebacker in the modern NFL. So like you said, like I don't think the value matches what he's actually worth to the team. Like the bears don't have a lot of proven production. Why would we take one of the only proven producers away from the equation? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, so that's why people talk about it, but I don't, I don't see it happening. I don't see it being very likely. doesn't make a ton of sense, ton of sense to me. Um, yeah, it's, it's stupid in my opinion. It's one yeah. of those things where like people want to, already start filling out their mock drafts for next year. And they want to be able to get a left tackle and a fucking wide receiver in the first round. Like I get it, like allocating your, your defensive resources, but you already got rid of Mac Goldman's gone. Hicks is gone. Quinn wants to trade. I don't get it. You you have all the money in the world to spend next season. Even if you pay Roquan, you have plenty of money to go surround Justin field with talent. If he's that guy, you know what I mean? Like, He's a proven commodity. You know, as I said, you're never going to get the value out of him that you would get out of him by him just being on the field. And like, he's young enough to where it's worth it. It's not like he's 28 or 29 and this is his last big payday. And, you know, you have the potential to trade him for like a, a higher pick. You know, I understand the appeal of trading him for multiple draft picks, but like, dude, look, look at what the Steelers got in like a Minka Fitzpatrick. You know what I mean? Just like an absolute stud. And those first round picks they gave up for him, that's nothing. Because a first round pick, as much as no, any of these so draft guys want to say, they don't guarantee anything. Nobody is a sure thing. Yeah, I want to say that one more time. Nobody in the NFL draft is a sure thing. I mean, I know I've said different. I know you've said different. But being real, how many fucking can't-miss prospects have missed? You can get offensive playmakers. You can get top-tier offensive playmakers while still staying respectable on the defensive side of the football. You know, I mean, there's a lot of guys on the defensive side of the football who aren't even in line to be getting paid really anytime soon. So why not pay the one guy in the middle to help all those young guys that you have? You know what I mean? It just it it it, it doesn't make any sense. No, Heidi, it doesn't. I'm with, Heidi, I'm with you. These people are crazy. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next question. Um, this is from Bear Down Chicago, and the O is a zero. Um, no, nothing. Bears expert. Is there advantage to actually not using the remaining twenty million in cap space, or would it just be careless to not careless not to use most of it? Um, I'm going to start with this because this is the one that this is. Oh, Heidi, she just came in. Did she hear our answer? Hopefully she did. Um, we just answered your question, we Heidi. just answered it. Um, hopefully hopefully she, she got to hear part of it. Otherwise, we'll, we'll be able to play it back for you, um, or you'll be able to play it back on YouTube. Yeah, for sure. Welcome to the show, by the way. Yeah, thank you. Welcome. Um, so there's no advantage to – or I'm sorry, there is an advantage. You could roll that space over. If you're above your cap floor – um, you can use that space. So it wouldn't be careless, but we kind of went over this a few episodes ago. It really bothers me um, that we didn't do a little bit more this year because realistically next year, we're going to have all this money and you're going to have to go up to the cap floor. So are they going to start overpaying players? Are they going to sign a bunch of $5 million players? Like they have a lot of money to spend next year um, no matter what. So that's why I didn't see why, you know, it, it could it, that money that's going to be rolled over is probably going to be what we're considering is going to take care of Roquan Smith's contract. Um, so, like, I, I could see it. I, I don't know. I didn't like the strategy in general. 
let's wait and see. But like maybe we could be pleasant, pleasantly surprised, but it's not careless to not use it. I just, I just would like a little bit more. Uh, I'd like the Bears to be a little bit more aggressive. If you look at the Bears, like you know, their top paid player, or at least in terms of cap hit, is Robert Quinn now, Eddie Jackson, Cody Whitehair, Roquan Smith. Then it's Justin Jones, and it's at four point six million dollars. So our hey. fifth highest cap hit is four point six million dollars, and that's one of the guys that, um, mind that you, pulls, that pull signed. Yeah, I'll say, mind you, um. Robert Quinn isn't even a guarantee to be on the week one, week one roster. You know what I mean? So like, there's still like a lot there to be kind of moved. Around. Some- I, was actually, I was actually looking at how much uh, space we would clear if we made that trade as well. And I think it's about like 12 million that we would move, um, which would even give us even more cap, which is insane. No, it'd be, it would be 12 million dead if they didn't need anything, but um, yeah, 12 million dead cap. So they would only get like 5 million that, plus that we, in the is, plus. Did you just look it up? Yeah, I just looked it up. No, you saw – I think you were confusing the dead cap number. Um, but either way, like, you'd get a little bit of money, um, but it, it would be – that's the thing, though, with trades. Like, you can always ask them to take on a little bit more cap, or if you take on a little bit more no, cap. No, it would – okay, so it would be $4 million, uh, 2022 dead cap. It would actually be 12 – it would almost be $13 million cap savings. It says right here. Next year or this year? Uh, 2022 cap savings. It says that on SportTrack. On SportTrack? Yeah. Cut. Cut post June first, you get four point two three million dollars. I don't know. I'm pretty positive they're locked into this. Um, that's 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 my ruling. Either way, we'll be back. We'll tweet about it. Um, but let's get to the next question, eh? Or do you oh, want to talk about you that? Know, I didn't even get to answer this question. Sorry, that's my fault. My fault. Jag bag. Um, honestly, and I, I brought it up on the. I'll keep it short because uh, Lucas wanted to take ten minutes. Uh, but um, <laughs> uh. I brought it up on the episode, I think the last one, actually. I think that's when we were talking about it. But um, I really think Poles is going to be looking at, like, uh, he's going to be looking at camp cuts. He's going to be looking for a big name popping out of there. Um, kind of like that Josh Sitton type signing. I, I would be surprised if he wasn't looking at teams who are pretty stacked on the offensive line with a potential, like, you know, 29, 30, 31-year-old guard or tackle or center or something like that. That's going to be, you know – He's still a starter in the league, but a team has a younger option. They could save save some money by getting rid of him, type thing. Um, so I think that's something that they're gonna that could still happen. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if they actually brought somebody in right before uh, camp started as well. Um, I I know they're gonna be looking at trying to get the bottom dollar for a lot of these guys because there's there's definitely still some free agents out there, and we don't know what those asking prices look like. Um, there could also be some contract stability that those, these guys are looking for. You know what I mean? Like an Eric Fisher could be looking for a two-year deal and we're only willing to give him a one-year deal. And he's going to try to wait it out and see if a team gets desperate for a tackle. You know what I mean? So like there, there could still be something like that on the table. Um, otherwise, I actually did like the point you brought up about possibly letting that roll over for the Roquan Smith deal. Although we have so much money next season that that would seem like a bit of an overkill unless we were really like really preparing to go all in next season. You know what I mean? Well, and that's the thing, though. You wouldn't have to go all the way all in. It would seem like you're going all in because you're getting yourself to the cap floor, which is necessary, but you'd still have another offseason to go. So it's not like I hate it, but I prefer your um, solution, right? Like someone getting cut and the Bears picking them up and giving them a little bit of money because it's just bare on that O-line, man. You know, we don't have to get all the way back into it. Um, but Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. That's uh, But that's that's my ideal situation would be – that's what they're paying attention to. 
yeah, should we get to the uh, – we don't know where Miles Leonard is, but do you want to get to the to Sean's question? Yeah, let me uh, – Myers me, Leonard. Let me get Let me get to this thread. This thread's going to – I'm gonna, it's going to be a couple twists and turns, but I'll get to the uh, get to well, the question. I think we should just do the uh, Phillips around thing. Just one. Where do the yeah? yeah. Rank? No, no, that's that's what I was planning on. Um, here I got it right here. Okay, so Sean asks, "What the fuck?" Sean asks, "I get Phillips is around till the deal's done, which I'm." I'm assuming he's referring to the Arlington Heights deal, the new uh, stadium. Um, but the deal could get done still after hiring the new Prez. Um, where do the Bears rank in front office pay? I think he's. Uh, I think Sean's concerned with how much a guy like Ted Phillips gets paid. Um, I I try. I, I can't speak for Lucas. I tried doing some research on where the Bears rank with uh, what they're paying their executives and whatnot. Um, I fell on a lot of dead ends. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily surprise me considering how secretive they've been about like how much Ryan Pace got paid, how much Matt Nagy got paid, whether or not they got extensions. Like that was, that was stuff that George really didn't want to speak on. And I mean, weird, weird fact, if you really want to put the tinfoil hat on, I've talked with Lucas about this in the past, but like, you can't even find George McCaskey's age online. Like that's, that is strange. Oh, fuck. Here we go. You know what I mean? Like they're like the bears are insanely secretive. George in particular is very secretive. Like uh, there's not a lot of information you can really find on that. So it doesn't really surprise me. You can't find finances. Um, but dude, look at how long 10 Phillips has been around. Like he's tied to the hip. Like he has, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he has just dirt on the entire McCaskey family or uh, you know, he is. Uh, oh, there's you know, he, many rumors that he's like, Virginia's illegitimate son like he helped cover up fucking the Muggsy situation like there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there here's the thing right like it's hard to find how much an executive gets paid you could look up uh con from the Steelers and it's like his money's not like those numbers aren't out there what I can tell you is that most GMs make between one and three million dollars which is a lot less than head coaches um and, and Ryan Pace was extremely coveted when he came out. So, like, without knowing the contracts, like, I think they paid them somewhere here. I'm just going to go off on a limb and think and say that Sean was insinuating that the Bears um, are – because obviously everyone wants to get rid of Phillips. Phillips seems like the guy that doesn't – that controls some of the football decisions, or at least that's how it was before. Phillips doesn't allow whoever the GM is or whatever to spend money. I think that was a huge – thing especially in the mccaskey era the michael mccaskey era um where like you know they weren't paying players enough and stuff like that here here's what i can tell you from the information i have when right or when matt nagy was signed as the head coach he was making 6.5 to 7 million dollars a year it's not like guaranteed that that that's the exact number but that's when when they reported his contract they reported it four years and that's what it broke down to at the time he signed his contract he was making as much money as someone like a john harbaugh Mike McCarthy, stuff like that. So they paid him within a top 10 coach's salary, never having any experience. I think that when the rain was switched over to George, they started spending money and kind of got rid of that stereotype, if that makes sense. Um, I do think that they spend a lot of money and I think they spend it carelessly. We saw that they renovated all of Hallis Hall. It looks like a fucking, like uh, a, bi- a big 10 or an SEC 
type of college campus weight room and, and all that stuff. Like it's it is, it is all top of the line. Like you see when players walk in there, they're like, holy shit. Like we're talking about players coming from different teams, different NFL franchises. So I wouldn't call them cheap. I would say that the way they spend money is idiotic. Um, and just looking at how Ryan Pace operated, they were in salary cap trouble from, from the time they went all in in 2018 till 2021, they were pressed against the cap. They were eating dead money. So yeah, that's fine. That comes off the salary cap, but, the, the Bears still pay that money out. Like, I do – I don't think that they're a cheap organization at this time. Um, I just think that they're fucking idiotic for, for most – for the most part. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right on board with that. Um, I think George tries throwing money at issues and hoping <coughs> that uh, they'll solve themselves. Um, I mean, dude, you look at the roster. You look at how much they paid a guy like Cleo Mack. You look at how much money they went out to spend on Allen Robinson coming off of – what ACL injury like they they were willing to spend money and take shots on people like dude even the extensions like for like Charles Leno Bobby Massey like there is a lot of examples of the Chicago Bears like not being cheap in that sense um and you know whether or not that bothers a penny pincher like Ted Phillips who's really been with the organization through you know penny pinching definitely and coming out of his fucking prosciutto fund no doubt about that oh dude a hundred percent like the amount fucking, of boar's head getting delivered to Hallis Hall has gone down astronomically like dude George and Ted are having like arguments about who ate the smoked turkey like a hundred fucking percent like there's no, no doubt. doubt um but like that's I I I wouldn't say they're cheap um and dude, come on, Ted Phillips has to be raking in something. Like he has to be making money. He's he's made generational wealth from the Chicago Bears throughout his entire career. Whether he's still getting paid that or not, um, I don't think it really even matters at this point, just because I guarantee his uh his bank account's looking pretty heavy. Um, but I would say, yeah, the Bears would kind of rank on the higher side. Kind of look at like uh similarly, like maybe on like a less less extreme degree, like the like Washington, like with Dan Snyder. Like how Dan Snyder just kind of throws money at like players and coaches and thinks like, oh yeah, it'll all magically solve itself. And then you look at just the absolute nightmare of the last 20 years of the Washington football team. I will say like they gave extensions to Pace and Nagy and stuff like that, I believe, to get them into 2021. And I, I, I do think maybe money has to come into play, especially with the Arlington Heights acquisition recently, like had something to do with them not cutting those guys loose early. Um I'm not hundred percent sure though. Right. Like I can't answer that, but in terms of like how they spend in, uh, for acquiring players and stuff, like just look across the city or a couple miles away at the Sox and, and the bulls, like the bulls just handed out their first hundred million dollar contract in the NBA. You know how fucking absurd that is that it took this long. A hundred million dollars in the NBA is nothing. That's like three years for a max player. So they haven't handed out a contract like that for the Sox either. Like, we're going to talk about like owners being cheap. I wouldn't call the houses cheap. I would say that they're fucking just bad at their job uh, more than anything. Yeah. And I mean, they, they also know like how financially stable Chicago bears are. They, the Chicago bears run the city and they always will. I mean, they're planning on getting no funding from the city of Chicago and finding a way to build an entire stadium. So. And, they, they, and I mean, it, it almost it kind of gets you excited, though, because we were just talking about Hallis Hall. Obviously, fucking it would suck not having the Bears in Chicago because, you know, it's just always cliche not to have like the name of the team in the city. But like, dude, Arlington Heights, they're not going to they're not going to spare any any expense. Like it's going to be state of the art. I've, yeah, no, I've gotten over the whole moving from Soldier Field, like uh, the idea of Final Fours in Chicago and having like, you know, Super Bowls in Chicago, shit like that, like that to me. 
it's irreplaceable. Like I'm okay with it. Them moving out of soldier field. I was really against it until like the news finally came. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, dude, soldier field does kind of suck. Like unless you get good seats, it's a straight up. If you're trying to sit in the nosebleeds, like you are going straight up surprised people haven't broken their fucking neck coming down those stairs at the top level. Um, but yeah, let's move into this next. I think these are the last two questions because Ryan asked us about 12. I'd love to get to all of them, but we're running kind of kind of long on time. So I'm going to ask him here. Um, which former Chicago Bear would you most like to have on your pa- podcast and why? And a former Bear in the last 20 years that you'd love to see come back and play in their prime with the 2022 Bears? Um, I'll defer to you first, dude. Well, you're going to already hate my answer, but you already fucking know my answer who I'd have on a podcast. And it's actually, it's, it's my dream interview anyway. Yeah, dude, I would have, I would easily have Jay Cutler on here just cause um, he, he would give you just straight up answers, man. And that's, that's, that's what I like. That's what I love about his interviews. Um, anytime he's like on a, on a barstool interview or something like that, or even like he's starting to do his own thing with uh, outsider, I believe it is. Um, dude, he's just very, he's very open. He doesn't really like hold back if you directly ask him questions about things, you know what I mean? And that's something that's really refreshing, you know, regardless of how you feel about Jay Cutler, if you ask him about his time in Chicago, he's going to be pretty honest about it. And honestly, he usually says pretty good things about the city of Chicago and the fans. And uh, I mean, how much he really liked playing here, you know? So I think it would, uh, I think it would make a really interesting interview. Um, I think a lot of guys, you get them on a podcast interview, you kind of got to throw them like softball questions and stuff like that. And you got to get them pre-screened and all that. I know for a fact, because I was actually trying to get an interview set up with a guy I'm not going to name. Um, he's a fairly, very relevant Chicago Bears guy. I had a connection through it, but it was all going to be like pre-screened questions, time limit, and uh, really not going any farther outside of that. So that wasn't something I necessarily wanted to do. So uh, Jay Cutler, I think, would be a great one. Um, honestly, um, I, I would really like Matt Forte as well. I think uh, I think Matt Forte would have a really good perspective on that same era of Chicago Bears football. Um, and I guess an honorable mention, if I'll toss a third one, I won't le- go on it too far. But um, Thomas Jones. I think Thomas Jones would also be good. It's, uh, that's another great era of Chicago Bears football. That's a good one. And I'm sure with his acting experience, he could hold up on a mic. Um, So if I wanted someone from that era to be brutally honest, maybe even a little bit fictionally honest, I might have to go with my honorable mention being Marty Bennett. Um, Cause he was a fucking nutcase. And I'm sure if I asked him, Hey, what is Ted Phillips, uh, you know, office smell like, I'm sure he'd come back and let me know like what type of lunch meat, stuff like that. Um, I'm sure he would have no problem talking shit about any of the former players. So I would like to hear him um, in terms of that for the brutal honesty. But otherwise, man, I would actually really – it's it's extremely um, nearsighted. But I would like to, to interview Tariq Cohen just because, like, all from our former podcast to now, like, we've always been in his corner, always really liked him. He's extremely entertaining, always interacted well with people on um, – on Twitter and stuff like that. Like he seems like he's energetic, just like a cool dude um, that can relate to a lot of different topics that have nothing to do with football. Like if we were just going to talk about his personal life and then like after the players tribune came out after kind of, he had that year long injury and everyone ridiculed, like I'd almost like to just have him on just to be like, Hey man, there's people out there that really do love you. Like, you know, and, and, and just get to kind of like get his story out there a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'd probably pick those two. If I had to think of another one, I would maybe think of B Marsh, but to be honest, like 
I watch his podcast and I'm not a huge fan of him on it. And I'm a big Brandon Marshall guy. And like, I've been trying to give it chances. They get great guests. They have Pac-Man on there, Chad Ochocinco, but I'm just like, not the biggest fan. Um, so yeah, I'd probably go, I'd probably go with Tariq Cohen or, or Marty Bennett if I had to pick. Now I'm going to answer this first. A former Bear in the last 20 years that you'd love to see come back and play in their prime with the 2022 Bears. Um, based on need, it would be Kyle Long, 100%. And, and also because he had his fucking career robbed from him. I guess I have a theme with that because my honorable mention would be Mike Brown, not because the Bears need him there, but, but because his prime was cut short the same way Kyle Long's was. Two of those guys, in my opinion, could have been perennial all-pros. Um you know, fighting for the Hall of Fame type players. Uh, Kyle Long, before he moved to right tackle, his trajectory was insane. Like he was playing at an insane level. And imagine just having a right guard because that's the fucking number one topic of conversation for Chicago Bears fans. Not left tackle. It's not right tackle. It's not how none of the fucking players on our line have experience besides Cody Whitehair. And he was getting the shit pushed in last year. No, it's about right guard because we don't have a name that we know there. Um, so that would, that would solve a lot of problems in my opinion, having someone like him to come in and set the tone and be that veteran leader. Um, but who would you pick? So it's, it's just within the last 20 years. That's what it says. Last 20 years. Yeah. Um, shit, we're getting kind of old. I don't even know. Was, was Mike Brown within the last 20 years? I think oh, so. But... Yeah, no, hundred percent. hundred percent. Oh yeah. I we're in 2020. He, he was in like... 2005, I think was his last year. Like when he started getting injured, 2004, 2005. Yeah. But I think he was with us until about. 07, 08, around there. Okay. okay. And then he went to the Chiefs. Um geez, if we're if we're talking from that era, um it could even be fucking Khalil Mack. It's just a former bear in the last 20 yeah, years. Yeah, dude. I listen, you know, you know exactly how I feel about Khalil Mack. I'm just whew, I'm getting a getting a little excited just thinking about Khalil Mack, honestly. That's that's my yeah. fucking boy. Um, no, honestly, if it, with where our team is set up right now, if I'm going to pick one in their prime, it was just, who you were just talking about, dude, it has to be Brandon Marshall, like Brandon Marshall with Justin <laughs> Field would be fan fucking tastic, you know, like, dude, I mean, and I'm not saying he's the greatest bear of all time. I'm saying with the way this team is built, because if I was just going to pick like one Chicago bear, like if we need, like it's saying like a four three defense, it would be between like Brian Urlacher and Charles Tillman. You know what I mean? Like those are the easy answers. But or I even think Julius with, Peppers. Oh, Julius Peppers would be beautiful too. But at the same time, if you're getting a Julius Peppers, I'll take fucking 2018 Cleo Mack. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. So like I, but I think with the way this team is built, having a guy like Brandon Marshall as a number one and Darnell Mooney as number two for Justin Fields and having Cole Komet over the middle of the field with uh, Dave Montgomery in the backfield. Like I'm, I'm getting really fucking excited thinking about that. Like that's a mad, that's like a fantasy Madden offense. for the Chicago Or if team. they're running 12 personnel, Greg Olson, but no, I like Brandon Marshall a lot fucking more. Yeah. I really like Cole Komet. I don't, I'm not going to put Cole Komet on the Greg Olson pedestal, but I will say after Darnell Mooney, as much as we love Bayless Jones and Bayless Jones, the best Jones in the NFL. And don't you ever fucking forget it. It's a drop off after Darnell Mooney. Let's just be honest. You know what I mean? Cole Komet, I think can really fucking break out this year. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Dude, I like Marshall a lot. That's a great pick. That's a great pick, especially with Justin Fields, how he could just huck the ball. Like, Dude. Anytime it's single covered, it's it's a 90-10 ball. Like, Brandon Marshall was one of the best jump ball players in the game. Not just whatever. Like, you could put him up there with Calvin Johnson. In his in his prime, 1,500 yards and 10 touchdowns with Justin Fields. Oh, easy. He did that with easy. Jay Cutler. Come on, man. 
Yeah, hundred percent. All right, G- give me give me another one of these Ryan's questions because Ryan's got a couple good ones. Well, that's kind of all we got. Um, other than, unless you want to say, this is another good one too. What stadium, not Soldier, would you most like most like to go and see the Bears play? Um, it wouldn't be for the stadium; it would be for the tailgate Bills. I was actually just telling my girlfriend that I was like, I would love to go to a Bills tailgate. Um, a lot of star power on that team too. So you'd watch the Bears get their dick slapped if it was this year, but. Yeah, um, I I feel like the generic answer would always be like SoFi or like one of like the brand new fucking domes or something like that. Um, but geez, I guess if one really stuck out to me. I'd like to go see the uh, ga- a game at the Brown Stadium too. I like the stadiums with history more than the new ones. You know, like it would be dope to go see one in LA or go see one in um, Vegas or whatever, like these new stadiums for sure. But like, there is a different type of feel when you go into a Browns game or when you go into a Bills game. Like the whole atmosphere to me is way better than the stadium itself. You go to a game at SoFi, there's like seven Rams fans, and the rest are just fucking models and rich dudes. All right, you know what? You you might you might bitch at me for this one, but honestly, dude, give me like a fucking give me like a December game at Gillette Stadium. Oh, that's a great that's a great pick. Cause like, dude, there's just like even even though Tom's not playing there anymore, like there is just so much so much of that like in that stadium that has happened in that stadium that's just like fucking legendary you know i mean the tuck rule happened there like they've they've clinched the shot to go to the super bowl like the in the chance to see like belichick live in person in like a a winter game like man i'm sorry like that would be as a football fan that would get me like really fucking stoked no as far as far as the newest especially with the snow coming down like you know, yeah, as just, far as as far as the newer stadiums go, like I understand, like SoFi is like what everyone loves, but I I think Vegas would be fucking great. Fuck yeah, dude! Like fuck that yeah. entire like the entire setup with like starting the torch and like I I Gambling. love that Raiders song. Like, dude, my fucking my hair'd be sticking up through my fucking chest. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it already does, but fucking this guy will wear a, a button down and only button the bottom two buttons. But I think uh, that's that's kind of all we have time for, right? We're running on close to an hour. Yeah. No, I mean, dude, I I love doing. I don't. I love. I loved this pod. Like, if I could speak to you guys for giving us these questions, thank you. Um, thank you. Only, yeah, for real. Not only thank does you very it, much. Yeah, not only does it give us like something to talk about, like in in this point in the off season, but like. Dude, me and Lucas can just talk football all day. Like, if if we wanted to, we could probably just go three hours just with just bullshit. You know what I mean? Just like talking about like Drew Brees' fucking passer rating in two thousand four. Even if you, know you drop I mean? us a DM or just like tweet at us, like I always answer. I'm never one of those guys that like, oh wow, fucking this random nobody like tweeted at me. You know what I mean? Like that's that's loser behavior in my opinion. Like, um, I don't care if you have seven followers. If you ask me a legit question and tweet at me, I'll answer it, no doubt. Yeah, no, 100%. And, like, if you ever want to ask a question on the show, like, uh, you can pop in the live chat by going on YouTube and shit like that. Um, like, dude, Sean, I, Sean, I want to thank you for your question, by the way. If you if you made it this far, if you ever even listened, I want to thank you. Like, dude, ask us anytime. Um, Sean wasn't following me. I don't know if he was following you, Lucas, and he was not following the show. 
and he still found a way to fi- ask us a question. So like, like we have no problem with that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know where Myers Myers Leonard is. I can't answer that for I you. I just can't give you that answer, brother. <laughs> like I, I can, I, he has an Instagram, man. Go follow him over there. You might be able to figure it out. I would assume but, he's uh, just living a normal life. You know, maybe he's an accountant or a banker or something like, I'm not sure though. Yeah, but for sure, man. Like, if you're a Bears fan, you want to ask us a football question, we're gonna answer it. Like, and I, I'm always open with, uh, dude. I reply to like anybody on Twitter. Like, as long as you're not giving me some nonsense. And honestly, if you're giving me some nonsense, I might even humor you for a little bit. But little like, bit, I'm, yeah. I'm not one of those guys to be like, ugh, who's this guy? You know what I mean? Just don't be like a faceless account saying like, uh, you're gonna like fucking kill me in my sleep or something stupid. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, we probably won't respond well to that. Um, no, it has happened. It is Twitter. Oh my gosh. If only you saw some of the fucking DMS I've gotten. Uh, but anyway, that, that's a, that is a story for another day and probably not on a live podcast, but, um, yeah, you know, if you like what you listen to, uh, we love doing this stuff. This kind of reminds me of when we did the uh, live draft. Like I just, just kind of let us uh, free up a little bit and give uh give some takes out there. Um, training camps coming up. So uh, once training camp hits, I know we've been doing kind of like the every two weeks thing. Um, I, we're going to see if we get any news next week or anything like that. We're kind of got to go from there. But once we get about a week from training camp, we're going to be going every week. You know, we're going to be in here. We're going to be giving you all the details. Me and Lucas are going to try to get to a training camp practice or two so we can uh, give you give you the insight. Um, I want to see a Justin Fields deep ball in person. Personally, I want to see what Cole Komet look goes into camp looking like because I know he uh, spent another offseason with tight end you. We're going to give you the whole scoop. Um, we're really excited for football season. Um, yeah, the whole shindig, man. We're going to get down some games. We'll tailgate. We're, we're going to have we're going to have a good football season. And I uh, hope you follow us along for the ride. But uh, be sure to subscribe to us on like Spotify, Apple um anchor i I just found out lucas like i don't know how it works but anchor automatically actually gives us a google play account so people actually can listen to us on google play i don't recommend it i really don't but um you know if if that's if that's your thing no fuck google play yeah all right (laughs) tell them where to find us dude yeah um uh you can follow me uh duke coughlin at that pod guy duke you can follow lucas at lucas freddy 46 follow the podcast at barely there pod um, you can follow us on YouTube. Um, you just look up barely there podcast. You'll find us. I guarantee it. All you gotta do is find that paintbrush logo. Um, and that's, that's about all I got. Lucas got anything else, buddy. That's it, man. Bear down. Yep. Bear down, buddy.